Welcome to Force of Light Entertainment, where we keep things on the light side. I'm your host, Michelle, and with me is my co-host, my sister, Natalie. Hello, everybody. This is episode 39. If you have not yet, we encourage you to please subscribe to the podcast, give us a lovely five-star review, and write a nice little description of why you like listening to us. As detailed as you want to get. Yes, that would be awesome. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe and subscribe to the channel and like the video. Give it a thumbs up. Well, this past Wednesday, we had Alberto of Radio Rebellion on, and he was an awesome guest. And we had an incredible discussion about Ray. And if you've not checked that out, we encourage you to go ahead and check out that episode. Also, Natalie and I both had a discussion on Bob's adventures and blogs. So check out his channel and watch our discussion with him. Thanks for having us, Bob. Yes, yes. And tonight we have two more awesome special guests. We have Ro and Brad from the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Ro and Brad, how are you all doing tonight? Great. Yes, uh, thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. <laughs> Good to hear. Yes, glad, glad to have you guys. And you guys had us on your show a while back, and we immediately thought, well, we'll have them on ours. And I kept thinking, what would be something good to discuss with them? And I, as we were watching this series, I was like, you know what? I bet they both really enjoy this. And we reached out and made it happen. So uh, first, before we get into what we are discussing tonight, I was going to say, you know, let you guys tell us, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and also row about the Red 5 Network, which you are the founder of and we are a part of and glad to be a part of. So... You guys take the floor. <laughs> Brad, go ahead and uh, do the uh, your little uh, scuttlebutt team. Oh, yeah. So we have, <laughs> we have this little uh, show we like to call the Scarif Scuttlebutt, uh, where it's uh, always sunny on Scarif. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you, you know, uh, just like you guys, we like to keep things on the light side, but we're not uh, afraid to do some deep dives into uh, some more serious topics about the Star Wars saga. Um, but, you know, we'll do the lighter episodes, the deeper episodes. But, uh, you know, whatever we're talking about, we just like to keep it fun, but keep it uh, honest at the same time and uh, have some frank and candid discussions. And, uh, you know, we've been around for oh, over a year now, a little over a year now. Um, we can start rallying up to a year and a half here pretty soon. Um, but uh, we started the last uh, Star Wars celebration in Chicago, and it's uh, picked up steam. And uh, it's uh, what led to the uh, Red Five Network. And there's your segue, Ro. Well, and I want to say before Ro before Ro goes, you guys do have. If any of our listeners don't listen to you guys, I highly recommend checking them out because they do do. I get what what, what you mean. What we mean by the light side, just more positive, upbeat, fun about it. But you guys have some excellent, interesting takes and deep dives into unique uh, conversations on your channel. So definitely check them out if you have it. But, but Ro, go ahead and tell us about Red 5. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, guys. Uh, you know, from time to time, we do do a little bit of breaking news and Star Wars talk, but uh, we are really, uh, we really gung-ho when we talk about uh, certain aspects of the franchise that we love. We love talking, uh, you know, just really picking apart, you know, character motivations and, and things like that. Um, a little bit 
you know, it's a little different than just kind of, you know, reading, breaking news and, and talking about stuff, but uh, having a lot of fun. And one of the things that, uh, that we love is interacting with a lot of uh, podcasters, a lot of Star Wars podcasters, a lot of kind of geek uh, culture podcasts. So that's really where the Red 5 Network was born. And, uh, you know, I got together with a couple of uh, other podcasters and, and tried to see how many people would really be interested in kind of joining this group. And, um, you know, pleasantly surprised, we, we have uh, quite a number between Red Squadron and Gold Squadron and, um, you know, just a group of content creators that are having fun, that are um, honest about talking about this franchise and, you know, keeping it light. But like Brad said, you know, being honest with, with what it is that you like, what it is that you don't like and why you don't like it um, we like to really you know dive deep into those aspects of, of the franchise and uh, you know keep it respectful because I think when Brad and I started the podcast uh, over a year ago we saw a lot of back and forth with fans um, you know we're, we're all about discussion but we're not about you know insulting each other so if we can kind of set an example of discussion discussing you know aspects of the franchise in a civil manner you know we coined the um, the uh, enjoy Star Wars responsibly and I think <laughs> that's you know kind of how we started uh, the podcast and, and what we extended that philosophy I guess to the Red 5 Network so uh, you know I'm glad you guys are on board with us uh, we have uh, quite a few uh, member podcasts and uh, you know everybody you guys got to check it out because there's a little bit for everybody over at the red5network.com yeah no uh the red five you asked us to be a part of it and we were uh thrilled when you asked us to be a part of it because it is a tremendous thing that you put together of just so much there's so much support in the red five and there are so many different uh truly Everyone's different in the Red Five, but yet they're all excellent podcasts that have different flavors. It's just a very unique group that we put together, but yet also flow together too at the same time. So I, I, I re we really appreciate everything you've done, Ro, with the Red Five and all your hard work in it. Yeah, there is no I in team, and uh, I just, uh, you know, Brad and I love uh, being uh, spearhead, uh, spearheading this movement and... Uh, we're just having fun. Yeah, yeah, it is fun. I enjoy it. Well, we will let the fun continue tonight, and we will be, tonight, we will be discussing the Indiana Jones trilogy or series, whichever you want to call it at this point. So join the conversation, and let's talk some Indiana Jones. All right, anything you guys want to say, because this is, Indiana Jones is quite, an incredible collaboration with two incredible creators being George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. And that's pretty awesome, just right out the get-go, that you have the both of them making this, this trilogy together. I, um, yeah, I get goosebumps when, uh, you know, George Lucas, I, I, I'm kind of a student of how he started his career uh, between him and another powerhouse, uh, if you know the name, Francis Ford Coppola. Um, obviously, yes. they started uh, American Zoetrope together, 
And, uh, you know, the collaborations kept on going. Uh, George and Stephen have been working uh, together for a really long time with Indiana Jones. And, um, you know, it's, it's another one of those franchises for George that's very personal for him. And I uh, can't wait to, to really get into that. Yeah. Yeah, just really, I mean, incredible talent <laughs> that worked on these movies. Um, so we'll kind of start, and I will say, or, uh, you know, how much, I know I know the answer of Roe, but I'll let him tell the audience. So how much, we all know that Star Wars is our beloved trilogy. I know you guys, too, obviously started a Star Wars podcast. But how much do you enjoy Indiana Jones uh, what has it meant to you growing up? That type of thing. Brad, you want to do that one first? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, you know, as far as uh, series, movie series goes, I mean, it's obviously, like like you said, Star Wars is always going to take that top spot. I don't think anything's ever going to usurp that spot uh, as far as my personal listings go. But Indiana Jones, I mean... It's one of those timeless, and we'll we'll talk about the timelessness mm-hmm. of it, I'm sure, uh, on probably multiple occasions tonight. Um, but uh, it's you know it's one of those if it's if it's on TV, you have to watch it. I, I don't care which episode it is. If you're flipping through, and you come you know Indiana Jones and whatever, you're gonna stop and watch that. Just like I would stop and watch a Star Wars marathon, even though I've seen it 300 times, I'm gonna stop and do the same thing for Indiana Jones. So that just goes to show, you know, how timeless that series is and just how fun it is. You know, we were talking about George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. When you put the mind and uh, imagination together with the sheer and utter talent of Steven Spielberg, uh, and of course then you got the acting ability of Harrison Ford and everybody else that worked on the the project, I mean, that's what you're going to get out of it. You're going to get magic out of it every single time. Um, and I think we saw that with each one. You know, it, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to talk about rankings, I'm sure, but uh, it doesn't matter which one, you know, you watch. They're, they're, they, it's not like Star Wars where you might have a, you know, some might be hit or miss for you. I think they're all fun to watch no matter which. Even uh, Crystal Skull, you know, we're going to focus more on the trilogy, but even Crystal Skull it is a fun movie in its own right. Uh, so that's what makes it a little bit different than Star Wars, and they're all fun and enjoyable in their own way. Yeah, totally. Uh, Ro, anything you uh, have to say on that? No, you know, uh, Indiana Jones, uh, you know, we, we talk about the hero's journey with Star Wars all the time and how Luke Skywalker has this call to adventure, but uh, there's probably no better example of that besides Star Wars, obviously, than Indiana Jones. He... Uh, He's an archaeologist, uh, he's a teacher, an instructor, and uh, he has all these great adventures. Um, and like Brad said, it, they're just all fun to watch. I watched Crystal Skull just the other night, and I'm like, you know what, it's not as bad as, I, as, I, as, as the ether kind of, uh, you know, put so much, uh, you know, crap on it. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I can do with less digital um, prairie dogs, but uh, for the most part, I, 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 like Brad was saying, each film has its own little charm, and, um, you know, I'll pop any of them in and, and just, you know, sit there and, and watch it, like Brad said, it, uh, even though we've seen it hundreds of times, but uh, it's those kinds of movies. Yeah, and, and these were the type of movies, I would say, in our house... You had Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and the Rocky trilogy, like, or not trilogy, saga, whatever you want to call that. 
Um, you had all those movies, these different series, playing at our house. So Indiana Jones is probably like kind of second behind Star Wars. And of from... course, uh, Ace Ventura. Oh, I was talking. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had a lot of comedy too. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm saying as far as like like series of movies. Um, and so we grew up watching Indiana Jones. It was on our house all the time. Loved it. And I remember again, like you guys are saying. Uh, the Crystal Skull, I remember seeing that in theaters and was so excited and had so much fun watching it in theaters that opening weekend. So, yeah, I I know it's it, to me it's the worst of the, the four, but it still is a fun movie. And it was so much fun at that point to get to see Harrison back in that role. So, yeah, I love this trilogy. And Natalie and I, what's kind of what started us thinking, hey, we should do this. Our theater has been open and, of course, they're just having to play old movies. So I have now been able to see all of the Indiana Jones in theaters because I've been able to go back and watch all of the original three in theaters. So that's been a fun experience this summer. So, yeah, Indiana Jones is uh, a pretty, uh, to, or pretty dear to my heart as far as a trilogy. And you guys, sorry about the uh, the interruption. The podcaster or people listening on podcast probably didn't notice. But yeah, they, was... they didn't notice. People watching. <laughs> Were you guys watching? Yeah, I was gone. My my daughter needed me, so you know, if there's ever an emergency, you gotta you gotta step out as much as I hate to. <laughs> you, you do, but anyways, we'll kind of move into. So, what do you guys think makes because Indiana Jones as a character is very iconic at this point. I mean, the hat, the whip, everything about him is iconic. What do you think makes Indiana Jones such an iconic character? I think Brad said it a couple minutes ago. I mean, it's the combination of uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford. Um, you know, Harrison uh, obviously is a, uh, a fantastic actor. I love seeing him in the original trilogy. I love... Uh, his uh, his ability in uh, The Empire Strikes Back, his acting ability in The Empire Strikes Back, and it's it's probably one of the things that makes it uh, a favorite of mine. And actually, um, I miss sometimes I miss that so much. Obviously, um, the original gang are, are they're not too much in the sequel trilogy. So sometimes, besides going back and watching the original trilogy for for the old gang. Um, I was watching uh, some Jack Ryan, uh, Harrison Ford movies, you know, Patriot Games and stuff like that, just to see Harrison Ford back in his, you know, back in his primes, uh, so to speak. But uh, yeah, that combination, the George Lucas, Spielberg, Harrison Ford, I mean, that's the uh, trifecta of adventure, I, I would say. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Brad, anything you were going to say on that? Yeah, it's like... How do you make an archaeologist interesting? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, this this guy's like like Rose said. I mean, he's an archaeologist and he's a professor. Um, you know, most. I mean, yeah, you do have your interesting uh, college professors that are engaging, um, but uh, you know, many of them are, are pretty bland uh, for the most part, uh, and especially one that's uh, teaching in archaeology. Uh, you know, stuff that's been uh, dead and buried for hundreds or, or thousands of years. Uh, you know, how do you make that character interesting? Well, you just take Harrison Ford and you let him be himself. And, you know, he's got chemistry with anybody else that's on the screen one way or another, uh, whether he's fighting Nazis or obviously the female lead characters, you know, you can see the obvious chemistry there. Um, so, you know, you know, 
just let Harrison be himself, you know, with that signature smirk of his. And, <laughs> yes. You know, it, it's going to work, you know, and it's just uh, pure brilliance that you can make an archaeologist. Uh, I mean, he's not a, obviously not a conventional archaeologist, so to speak. Um, but to be able to make that sort of character interesting is amazing. Uh, well, I was going to say, we actually have a um, an uncle that was an archaeologist and I actually did find that interesting, like when I was younger, just because I love like old stuff and finding things from the past. Uh, but then I kind of really thought about it as a career, not that I really considered it, but it's like in reality, they spend a lot of time like digging and digging and it's probably pretty boring. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like you said, they did make um, Indiana Jones, he, he, they took something that could be interesting, but on steroids, you know, they well, made it so interesting. It's like uh, making an adventure out of it. An archaeologist with Basically, a twist. Harrison, what she's saying is Harrison Ford is so good in this role, she contemplated, do I want to be that when I grow up? <laughs> I, I think I realized it probably wouldn't be like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Harrison, I mean, I think both of you nailed it. Uh, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and Harrison Ford just created an iconic character that I don't think any actor could have done the way Harrison did. Because like Rose said, Harrison in his prime, like he creates this character in Indiana Jones that it's kind of like the, the women want to date him and the men want to be him. Like that's, that's how cool this guy you know, is. That's interesting. I was thinking of kind of like James Bond parallels, but it's like, I personally like Indiana Jones, the franchise way better than the Bond. I know Michelle loves James Bond, but I'm much more like Indiana Jones. Well, cause I think Harrison, he, it's a little less cheesy than some of the old yeah. Bonds, but just because of Harrison, Harrison can deliver. You could give Harrison a cheesy line and he's going to deliver it in a way that it's not as cheesy as it, it, no one else could have delivered it as smooth it's as a, Harrison. It's a talent he has, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this character, and I love what Harrison brings, you know, as I thought about what Ro was saying. He brings to it, it's like, say the opening scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, this character seems so awesome, but yet because of Harrison's face acting, when the people are chasing him and he's genuinely freaked out... There's a relatableness to him there. He's not just this, oh, well, this character's always going to get out like of the situation. Like, I've got it all yeah. the time. Yes, it's like he's very confident and very intelligent, but yet realistic. He brought a realisticness to this character, and I think that always helps people relate and connect to a character. So I, I think, yeah. And, and I'll just say there, there's a lot more uh, depth to uh, Indiana Jones uh, to Dr. Jones, as Mr. Riz uh, said in your chat, uh, there's a there's a lot more depth to Dr. Jones than there is to Han Solo. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Han Solo was not the the lead. Um, he's one of the, one of the leads in Star Wars. Wasn't the lead. Obviously, Indiana Jones is the lead, so he's going to get more depth. Um, but there is a lot more depth to Indiana Jones than there was to Han Solo. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, there's a, definitely a, a connection between, you know, I, I've heard George Lucas, uh, or I've read uh, interviews with George Lucas saying that, uh, you know, the Indiana Jones is his James Bond. And uh, when <laughs> Interesting. it came time to cast uh, Indy's father, who else are you going to cast <laughs> but James Bond? <laughs> yeah, Sean Connery. And yeah. can I just say I love them together. With that, That's the one we watched, you know, kind of watching it in the series most recently. We watched it just this past weekend, but they just, I think even my daughter really enjoyed just their cute relationship back and forth. They, they kind of nailed that, their dynamic. 
But it's like it's like Brad said, Harris. You can put anyone on the screen with Harrison, and he instantly has chemistry with True. them. True. Like he has chemistry with every female character in these movies, with all the male characters. Like he's just he is the most interesting man in the world. He, well, that yeah, that commercial that really could be talking about <laughs> Indiana Jones. Like he truly is. Like he's done everything. He's seen he everything. Have, he does have that essence. He does. Like like I said, I mean, he's just. He's a fascinating character, um, but then he can uh, he can take uh, you know second stage to Sean Connery. You know, sh- you know yes. he, Sean Connery actually does not have a huge role in that movie. Uh, he's got yeah a little bit of screen time, but not a huge role in that movie. Uh, he's missing for for the most part in that movie. But you know Harrison doesn't mind backing up and taking that number two spot to Sean Connery. You know, and and that's fun to see as well. That's true. Compare that to say, like, okay, Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise likes to truly dominate the entire movie, and that that's a really good point. That that he can step back and let someone else kind of take over. Yeah, yeah. He's just he's an amazing actor and amazing. This is an amazing character. Um, so we'll kind of move into uh, and you guys like you know you're free to say anything at any point about anything you think of as far as this total freedom of speech. <laughs> yes, in this uh, series, but I, I had down if we could give our rankings of this movie. So either one of you want to go? Do you know your rankings? Uh, it's something that I've never thought of. Uh, I think I. I I, I like them all a lot. Obviously, yeah. some more, but uh, you know, there, there's there's nothing that compares to the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, See, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, Ra- for me, it's it's the you know from the opening from from the Paramount Pictures mountain and the dissolve between the logo of Paramount Pictures to the actual mountain in South America where he was at. Uh, the way they introduced Indiana Jones uh, with that little shadow and he comes out of the shadows into the light. Um, it's, it's such, it's such a classically thought of, you know, film, um, obviously George Lucas taking a lot of, um, you know, a lot of homage to, to those old serials from Hollywood, those adventure films, um, you know, the actors like Errol Flynn and, and Buster Crabbe and, 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 uh, films like that. So Raiders to me, I guess it's, it's, it's tops, um. I think I, you know, going out of order, I think for me it would be one, Raiders, and then um, uh, Last Crusade, Temple of Doom, and Crystal Skull. Yeah, that's good. Brad, uh, you guys are always opposite in, in Star Wars. What about in this? Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Do you know, that's yeah. where I kind of am, because growing up as a kid, it was always... Uh, Last Crusade, because I just loved him and Sean Connery's dynamic and what they go after and kind of the, the true adventure of it. I, that was always my favorite growing up as a kid. But I will say this, it's become so hard just like as I got older and when we just saw it uh, in theater, man, Temple, the, the Temple of Doom is so good. Like it's truly like neck and neck now for me with, uh, uh, Ra- or not Raiders of the Lost Ark, with uh, The Last Crusade. And I never felt that way as a kid. In fact, I didn't watch it as much as a kid. But as I got older, like that movie, and I know it kind of gets some crap sometimes from people, but it is so much fun that it's hard for me to almost pick. It's like three and two, and I, I, 
It's I hard. I can't decide. It almost depends on my mood that day of which yeah. one. And then Raiders would be third, and then Skull would be fourth. Now, I think you're kind of the same as me. Yeah, well, I'm kind of like uh, the two me two. Did and I say it right that time? Two med two. Two med two. <laughs> she keeps making Michael the me too movement yeah, over just there. Michael. <laughs> yeah, it's just Michael. <laughs> Michael, buddy. Okay, yes. I, I kind of have to three, two, one. I, I, I kind of think that's me too. Yeah. And I know that's probably a more unpopular opinion, but like, you know, we just saw that one last. The, the number three. I'm not counting the the skull one because I haven't seen that in so long. I don't even remember it. Uh, but of the, the the three originals, it's um, I watched it probably the most as a kid. Like I just even though there's that creepy scene at the end where the guy like I think we all know the scene he gets like, a life sucked out. Life is literally sucked out of him. It was kind of creepy. Um, but um, but I it's like Michelle said. I love the second one so much too, and I like the first one a lot too. But yeah, probably the second and third are more fun to me for whatever reason. But in the second one, the woman's so funny. Yeah, oh gosh, hysterical. (laughs) And the little boy, Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones, you're cheap. (laughs) (laughs) I love that kid. Yeah, and it's funny because you don't realize when you look at the year, uh, Temple of Doom is actually a a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I'm like, well, where did Short Round go? Yeah, yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that until, like, recently. And it is. You're like, well, what happened to the kid? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that that's probably where I'd have to go. And it's kind of like you guys said. There's really not... There's not a bad one in this trilogy. No. And even with the original, the original three, it's very hard. It almost depends on your mood. But I probably do have to go three, two, one. Um, but, like I said... Really? So we're the same? Yeah, that's what I said before you said that. Oh, I didn't hear you. She wasn't listening, guys. She just she just admitted that. that she wasn't I didn't listening. I catch that. I am a and, okay. But 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 like I said, Temple of Doom is so much fun. Like that I actually had the most fun watching that in theaters recently. It's just that movie's just great from start to end. There's no slow moments in Temple of Doom. Uh but yeah, yeah they're all Temple great. Of Doom. Temple of Doom was one of those movies that uh, had issues with uh, with rating challenges. Uh, yes. The special effects. ILM was so good in uh, burning that uh, that uh, I guess that dummy or whatever that uh, the the censor said that this is too gruesome. You got to cover you got to cover some of that up because the the guy that got his heart taken out <laughs> by uh, what's his name and lowered in the pit in that cage. He was moving around and he was screaming and it was really horrific. And the censors are like, uh, "Whoa, back that off a little bit." So, so ILM had to kind of create some digital uh, or, or some additional. There was no digital at that time, but uh, some additional flames, uh, flaming elements to cover a lot of the uh, like the gore and the suffering of of the the pneumatic dummy that they used for, for that. Um, a lot of special effects too. The during the um, which the same movie when they were on the, the drawbridge. Yes. Um, and uh, Indy takes out the uh, the sword and, and cuts the sword and everybody falls. Um, they developed a new uh, type of dummy that uh, they placed, uh, you know, on the bridge, and uh, it was air powered. So as soon as that they as soon as they fell, the pumps inside the arms started doing this, so it looked like <laughs> actual people were falling. So. 
really good stuff uh, visually. Um, again, ILM at the forefront of every project that they take on. And, uh, uh, you know, can't say it enough, a big credit to George Lucas and uh, the creative team behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I will have to say those gators at the, the bottom of the water were really eager to eat all the people that fell into the water. They did, they were kind of like uh, the shark and Jaws, you know, it was personal, I think. It, it was a little personal. And Nerfherder uh, has a comment in the chat, uh, it is one of the reasons that PG-13 came about yes. because of the uh, intensity. Of, uh, of the action, so yes. you know, and I was going to say when you were commenting on, on that or commenting on that, um, it does get actually. I'd kind of forgotten until I watched it a few weeks ago. The second one, it does get kind of intense. Like, I mean, there's oh, definitely yeah. kind of a sense of evil, you know, uh, just like devil worship or whatever's going on, and the, like you said, the heart being ripped out. And I guess you're saying there was more, and they kind of cut it back some, which was probably a smart yeah, idea. Uh, the one thing, the the one thing that's that I find interesting is during the writing of that script, uh, George Lucas was going through his divorce and <laughs> he was in a dark place. Interesting. And um, it kind of you know spilled on to the, the you know the script, the paper. Uh, he was going through some rough times. He said, uh, "Just rip their heart out." Ex-wife and uh, yeah, I guess you know that was his therapy. Well, right. and, and it has the nastiest scenes because that dinner where they're eating the monkey brains, oh, yeah. that the snake is cut open and all these like little snakes come out. There's eyeballs. Like, it's all disgusting. Well, uh, there's snakes throughout. Yeah. Like, all three movies, which is so funny. Michelle... I mean, it's it's a crazy, like, fear. That it's, a, it's a fear and a phobia. They disgust me. I mean, I had a fake but, snake one time but, and she threw a candle at me. But... But that's why I think it is a great scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark when he pumps all the gasoline and just lights them on fire. I cheer for it every time. <laughs> so during that scene, they didn't have enough snakes. They went to every pet store in uh, northern England. Um, but once they got all the snakes in there, the Wranglers, there, there weren't enough. So what they did is they cut up uh, rubber hoses and they threw them, mm. you know, randomly just to kind of make them look like there's more snakes um karen allen had an issue with snakes uh <laughs> so spielberg asked the one of the snake wranglers if he wouldn't mind shaving his legs and wearing the white dress to get shots of of uh you know uh marion uh, kind of flipping out at the at the snakes and when you see those lower shots of the legs and, and the snakes kind of like <laughs> being kicked off, it's not Marion, it's, it's the stunt guy. That would have been me. <laughs> that would be you, Michelle. <laughs> that totally would have been me. Um, yeah, the guy's name was uh, Steve Edge. He was one of the, uh, one of the snake uh, handlers he, in that film. He was the real MVP of that, of that movie. <laughs> I, I'm guessing his lower legs must have been pretty feminine, pretty shapely. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now that we've talked that, how about we move into uh, any favorite scenes? Any scenes that stand out? I have a feeling we all may have one of the same ones, but any scene that stands out in these movies or scenes that you absolutely love when you think of these movies? Like one from each or just in general? Uh, for Like for, well, if you have one for each, go for it. But, but any scene yeah, or scenes? That's hard. Do you want, I, I can go while you guys think if you want. I, I mean, get... it's, it's, it's one of those things where there are so many good scenes in, in all of the movies, and that's not like 
blowing smoke or anything. There are just so many good scenes throughout all that. And you sent me the notes ahead of time, and I'm still thinking about it from uh, when you sent the show notes over. Uh, But yeah, we'll we'll let you uh, go for it first while we (laughs) try to think. I can give you one. Okay, one of the most iconic that I would say that is my favorite, just a fast little scene, is in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where uh, the guy, you know, the guy whips out his sword and is doing the sword, and Harrison, or Indiana, just is like, eh, and just pulls out a gun, boom, blows the guy away. (laughs) That was hilarious. It's hysterical. It's so Harrison Ford. And I'm pretty sure you guys can correct me. I've read that Harrison was just like tired that day and just yeah. kind of did that just to end yeah. filming. <laughs> yeah, it was his idea. I mean, you know, he, he did that and he did the uh, I love you line. Yes. Back, I know. So, um, yeah, he's, he's pretty cool. The man knows how to improvise. He does. And like improvise in a way that's so, that's iconic, that you, yeah. that becomes memorable. So that scene. And then I've always loved, uh, let's see, in, well, it's like, it's like you guys said, there's so many movies. I mean, so many scenes I love in all these movies. I'm just trying to think of ones I totally love. I love in uh, The Last Crusade where it's, it's my favorite part of him discovering something when he's in the library and he's figuring out what his dad has left him and he's finding out all you the... Just took mine. Did I? That I don't know what about that scene, but it's like magical in that moment. Like as he finds the the Roman numerals and he's finding the numbers and he's going through the the uh, the library. There's some. Ever since I was a kid, I've loved that scene. I don't really know why. So maybe Brad, you can explain what is it about that scene that's so great. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I did notice the last time I saw that, and I don't know if you guys, there is an there's an editing issue in that scene as well. I think it's the because uh, he finds the Roman numerals, right? And it's yes. The, I think it's the uh, it's the five. It's there, and then the next time you see it, it's not there anymore. <laughs> the the five is gone. So there there's an editing issue in that scene. Uh, but I know it's just like um, you know seeing the way that Indy's mind works, and then seeing that there's a connect. You know, even though he's got all this animosity between. You know himself uh, and, and his father. You know how he raised them or didn't raise them, so to speak, uh, very well. You know, but in, in the end, their minds were very similar to each other, and uh, he's kind of able to talk to his father from you know from far away, from hundreds of miles away, and just put it all together. But uh, you know, in, in that same movie, I, I love that scene. I love the, uh, the the castle scene where he goes to uh, rescue his father, um, and then of course the the trials uh, at the end. Uh, of that movie and uh, taking the, you know, there's so much uh, symbolism yes. at the end of that movie. Um, and, you know, taking the taking the leap of faith uh, and all that kind of good stuff at the end. Um, you know, I, I, I think all most of my favorite scenes uh, come from The Last Crusade, um, except for obviously the iconic one you mentioned earlier. <laughs> Yeah, I, there's something, too, you brought up a good one. As he goes through those trials, at times it's, like, chilling. Like, it really is, like, in a good way. Uh, that, that's an incredible scene, that whole that whole segment. But, yeah. Ro, what about you, if you had time to, to think of any? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, it's little moments. It's uh, because I'm a visual guy. I love uh, certain um, shots. Uh, you know, Indiana Jones coming out of the shadow into the light to, to introduce his character. Uh, stuff like that is, is just amazing for me. 
Um, for uh, Temple of Doom, I mean, there again, the the fight between the the big guy, uh, the big Nazi, uh, when uh, he's trying to get that airplane. Uh, but one of my favorite shots, or one of my favorite uh, stunt sequences, is when he uh, is tr when he's dragged under that truck. Oh yes, uh, yes. It's 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 perfectly timed, and I think I, I got to go back and watch it um, when when Luke Skywalker first uh, uh, tries to destroy the Death Star. There's that sequence where there's like no music, and the the sound effects are going, and the X-wing is going, and and the scene is is playing up. But then uh, that second uh, that second go in in Star Wars. Um, after he tries the first time and it, it doesn't work and he goes at it again, there's a there's a music cue that starts um, escalating. Just you know, if you thought uh, the excitement wasn't uh, up here already, it, it escalates even more. Um, and it does the same thing in Raiders. You got that scene where where he's uh, trying to get that that Nazi out of the out of the uh, the you know the driver's seat, and he falls in front of the truck and he gets you know dragged. It's the same thing. There's no music. There's just sound effects. You hear the truck, and then all of a sudden, you know, when we think that he, he you know, fell over um, and got trampled, you you hear that music, that Indiana Jones march, and it's moments like that uh, that's very, um, you know, it's very George Lucas. It's very, you know, the way that he tells the story, and uh, obviously, um, you know. Spielberg directed it, but uh, you know they're they're friends. They work together, and it, it's really cool. Um, you know, again, there's there's just there's just so many. But one of the things that I love about Crystal Skull too, even um, is the reintroduction of Marion Ravenwood. Yes, um, it's you can tell uh, Karen Allen was having such an amazing time because I read. Uh, a few articles regarding, you know, uh, like every other year, Spielberg would call Karen and said, I think we're going to do another Indiana Jones. I think we're going to do, and it never happened. It just never happened. And one day, you know, obviously he, he calls her up and says, I think this is it. I think we're going to do it. And Karen Allen's like, I'll, I'll believe it when I'm on set. <laughs> and just the sheer joy that, that she exudes in every scene that she's in with Harrison is is palpable you it, it it's enjoyable to watch yeah and again you know four might not be everybody's favorite but uh that's one of the things that i enjoy a lot is just seeing her enjoying being back in in the character and i love that yes yeah she was it was awesome to see all of them back yeah and it's always it's always so nice when you can tell that the actor truly is excited about the project they're in like it just comes across so i i agree yeah. Um, so we can move on to... You didn't ask me. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Natalie, favorite scene. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to if you don't want to. Go for it, Natalie. No, I mean, I... I feel like, like we've named them all. <laughs> yeah, like you guys said, it's, it's hard to say. Like, one thing I was thinking of just because I watched it recently that I thought was kind of a cool, you know, tie into history was that kind of intense moment that they're burning books and he's got that very important journal of his father's and he comes face to face with Hitler. Yeah. You know, you can tell he's just like sweating bullets and then like Hitler just kind of coldly takes the bull and sign, uh, takes the journal and signs his autograph and hands it back to him. You know, he's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, so that was kind of a fun moment. And, um, you know, I'm kind of a relationship person. I love relationships. I love the healing that takes place between he and his father in the third one. 
because like I think it was uh, Brad had mentioned like maybe they didn't have the best relationship and I think Indy maybe didn't feel the most loved or cared for by his father and his father is kind of aloof and in his own thing and by the end of it through what the adventure they go to together they realize like they really do love each other and so that's precious and then in the second one I can't you know once again I just love that kid and I love you Dr. Jones you know like and that is like the most touching like moment like, oh, yeah when so it, sweet. when he says Dr. Jones I love you it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, like I don't know who that doesn't make their heart melt you know <laughs> so yeah those are some of my and what you guys said I mean there's just so much so much good in them yeah I mean there's just so many good good scenes in these movies um and so moving on, we can move on to, do you guys have a favorite artifact that Indiana finds in any of these four movies? Favorite artifact? Let's see. You I mean, hmm. well, you know, what, what's cool about the, I mean, they're, they're all, I mean, every single artifact he finds is, is pretty awesome with, a, you know, so much historical significance. Um, but, you know, they, you know, what I like about the Holy Grail, you know, going to that one is, you know, obviously uh, the the bad guy wants to pick the the fanciest, uh, you know, cup that he can find in that room because, you know, obviously, you know, the, you know, Jesus would would have used this fancy thing, and uh, of course he chose unwisely on that one, <laughs> you know, got what was coming to him. Um, but you know, it, it was how basic and you know humble that one was. And, you know, and uh, that he was able to put that together. Uh, so, you know, that definitely. And, you know, Nat mentioned the, the book burning and the, and the Nazis. And uh, one of the things I love about the movie is how much, um, how much from drawn from history, just like George, you know, you know, Star Wars, even though it's a galaxy far, far away, most of the stories that he told, um, you know, took place in, you know, in, in our history, um, you know, the rise and falls of empires and stuff like that and republics, you know, the, the Nazi party, uh, they were so, uh, there, there was a, there was a part of them that was so obsessed with the occult and mysticism. Um, it wasn't the entire Nazi party, but it was a certain, you know, uh, click within the Nazi party, um, you know, from when they started right after world war II, um, with the, uh, the Thule Society was the name of it. Um, you know, they were interested in the occult. We saw this at the beginning, you know, uh, you know, Captain America, uh, the first Avenger, you know, they talk about there and, and Red Skull and stuff like that, um, you know, with the Nazis and the occult. Um, but they were highly interested in these. And uh, Hitler actually thought, you know, it, it really went, his power went to his head he thought he was there, and we've talked about this sort of thing on, on, on Scarab. He thought he was there by divine right. And uh, there is about, you know, uh, I think it's like eight to ten uh, assassination attempts on Hitler. And, of course, they all failed. And so every time they, there was an assassination attempt and it, it failed, that was more and more proof to him that he was there by divine right. So it's very dangerous you know when you start thinking that some higher power has put you in this place of power um but you know they were able to take that you know th those occult themes and that mysticism and, and you know put it into an entertaining light and uh, but you know those 
book burning scenes, they still have significance today, you know, we, yeah. <laughs> you know people don't realize, you know, it, it, you don't have to see books burning in the street uh, for that sort of thing to be happening. You know, when, when, when statues get torn down, um, you know, when, uh, you know, you see with YouTube, YouTube's, you know, they went through and they actually deleted all kinds of uh, videos about the Nazi party. Um, you know, when people go and watch these videos, they don't like, oh, let me learn about Nazism and let me try to become a Nazi. Yeah. You know, it, it's one of those, if you don't learn from history, you're going to repeat it. So exactly. it's very scary when a corporation like YouTube can just go through and mass delete, you know, all, all these videos. Um, and it wasn't just that topic, lots of topics, conspiracy topics and, and even some mainstream topics. Um, you know, so it's the same thing. It's just, it, it looks different now. Yeah. So people need to be aware of that. Yeah, it, it yeah. is interesting, all the uh, the censoring that's going on right now, and it's like, what exactly are you trying to uh, to cover up, you know? <laughs> there seems to be a lot of that right now. It's like it's intensified. Yeah, but that is an excellent analogy. I've never yeah. even thought of it that way, that, that that censoring really is the same thing as the, as the Nazis burning those books. I mean, that was them censoring the people from learning this information, and I mean, sadly, even today, I said when we were leaving the theater, I said it was like what was going on in Portland just a few days ago when they were burning Bibles in the streets. Um, but but it's like you said, Brad, it, it can be through censorship, through pretty much just stopping history, which I don't get because why do you not want the remembrance of what was? Because like you said, I mean, it, I know there's some crazy people that probably like Nazis, but the vast majority of people... Are going to be appalled. And, yes. You know. Like, they're fascinating because they're so evil, but it, it's the same way we're obsessed with watching serial killers. It's not because we're going to be a serial killer. It's because it's fascinating. It's interesting to learn what makes them tick that way. Yeah. Why were they that way? And I think that's what it is when people... Uh, you know, even in school, I always found World War II, because of the Nazis and the concentration camps and everything that went on, so fascinating and heartbreaking. I mean, heart-wrenching. I mean, Schindler's List was one of my 90s movies recommendations, you know, not because it's a fun watch. Uh, you know, I, I said on that I, I cried for 30 minutes after the movie was over, but because I think it's important to, to know history and know what did happen and, you know, God forbid anything like that ever happen again. Yeah. Yeah, and well, it, it, you you go it's ahead. Just, it's a very it's a very Orwellian theme, you know. It's a very 1984 sort of theme where uh, he who controls the past controls the future. Yeah. So you know, it, it when you erase history or alter history, um, then you can you know control what people know in the present, and then you can you know navigate the future. Um, so and that that's what they're doing. Um, in this case, whether it was the Nazis or what happens today, it's the same thing. Um, so yeah, you, you're, you're going to repeat the history if you don't know it. If you don't know how the Nazis came to power, you know, it wasn't very hard for them. To, they had some tough economic times. Yeah. We have tough economic times now. They had very nationalistic, um, you know, Ideas at that time, you know, it's not hard. You know, you have candidates that are very, I'm not, I'm, I'll, I'll leave all names out, but very nationalistic. And then you convince everybody that somebody is the enemy and is the cause of all your problems. 
and before you know it, you can get away with whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And so if we don't learn and understand that, it, it will inevitably happen again. Yeah, definitely. And before we move on, Brad, do you know anything? Because I, if I recall right, Hitler himself was pretty interested in finding artifacts, wasn't he? Like spiritual artifacts? Oh, he was. Yeah. I mean, there was, um, you know, they, they found, um, you know, journals um, from him and from those in his inner circle um, while they were doing, you know, you know, mass genocide in Germany and while the war was going on, um, he was sending people to different parts of the world uh, in order to find things. Uh, anything, the Nazis were looking for anything to give them an edge. So while they were looking for a, a technological edge, um, you know, and they found the technological edge with their weaponry and their, and their planes and tanks, uh, they were also looking for any other edge that they can get, which included the occult side of the house. And so he had, you know, sent people in different places to look for these items. And they, you know, they even raided, um, you know, he wanted to build the biggest art collection in the world uh, because he wanted to have the premier museum to be in Berlin when the war was over. Uh, And they were literally going around and just stealing. Uh, Obviously, a lot came from uh, Jewish hands. Um, They were stealing priceless art and uh, other, you know, artifacts. And they were going to put them all in this uh, museum. So, yeah, he, he was highly interested in this. Well, and that is, that's another aspect, the Nazi aspect that kind of makes this, these movies feel timeless. And that is the one thing that, as much as I love Temple of Doom, I don't enjoy the villain as much. Because let's just face it, it's fun when you're going up against Nazis and the hero is beating the Nazis. It just, yeah. it makes it a little more fun. It, it really does. Because... We all enjoy watching them lose. <laughs> we do. You don't, like I, I, you don't like seeing Indiana Jones fight the thuggies? Come on. <laughs> well, that's good too, I guess. <laughs> and I was going to say, Brad, uh, that, that is interesting about, I actually somehow had never heard that about the uh, the tie between the, the occult and Hitler. And that makes perfect sense, you know, just for, because, you know, obviously something took over, like, uh, you know, spiritual or you know not in a good way i'm saying evil powers and things like that so that makes sense that he would have a interest in that kind of thing yeah definitely he was a sick man (laughs) he he was a sick man my my only issue with 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 the nazis is now that term is used so loosely yes and and so arbitrarily and then indiana jones was actually used you know a couple years back to you know uh you know punch a nazi um, and just, you know, everybody's, if, if you don't like somebody, then they're a Nazi. It's like, uh, it's like another term that's very popular today. Yeah. And what's yeah. scary, and what's scary about that, you see that even say with the talk about racism, if you call everyone racist, yeah. then who's actually racist? You, it loses its meaning. And it's the thing, same thing with Nazis. I mean, there's a lot going on in the world, say, with China and things that that really similar to what went on in Nazi Germany. But we abuse that word so much, it loses its meaning. And if you compare something to the Nazis now, it's kind of overlooked because we've compared everything to the Nazis, it feels like. So that's a good point. Yeah, it's a scapegoat term now. It 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 is, is, totally. Um, well, I will say, oh, well, Ro, did you pick, you didn't get to pick your favorite artifact. 
You know, uh, getting to the Last Crusade, I think the uh, the Cross of Coronado, uh, the artifact that he uh, found when he was uh, River Phoenix. Yes. Uh, um, and uh, later on, he found when he was an adult. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, something that belongs in a museum. I think it really uh, it really plays to Indiana Jones' strength and his honor of keeping you know something as you know, as, as prized as the as this cross, this artifact, in a place of, of you know, uh, to keep it in a museum, to keep it accessible to people so they can study it and learn from it, like Brad was saying, you gotta learn from the past so you don't repeat it. Um, but uh, I, I like that they did that. I like how we saw uh, Indy, you know, take it from that other guy as a, as a, as a kid and it got taken away from him, and later on in life, when he, you know, found out where it was, he was after it again. It just uh, it strengthens the uh, the resolve of Indiana Jones as a character, and it also tells you a little bit about his integrity as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that is that's that is a uh, awesome thing that he to, finds. And to see it come full yes. circle. Yeah. yeah. I would have to say it's hard. I mean, the Ark of the Covenant is so fascinating that he finds in the first one. Um, but I probably almost have to go with Brad and the Holy Grail because it has, I definitely enjoy that scene overall better, the whole scene itself better. And it does just have such an intimate, it's a very special moment, like that moment in the movie. So I probably have to go with that. Natalie, what about you? I was going to say, I agree that picking the, uh, just cool, the, uh, the least decorative cup, you know, if you know Jesus, like, uh, and I think we all laugh as horrifying as that scene was <laughs> as a kid. He chose poorly. Yeah, yeah nerd, <laughs> nerd herder has there. it up there. Michelle and I laughed out loud in the theater. People are probably like, what? Like, what an epic line now. He chose poorly. <laughs> yeah. That is the cup of a carpenter. Yes. <laughs> and that old dude, bless yeah, his heart. It's, it's interesting, too, because there, there's that allegory. You know, obviously, the... Um, the you know Jesus Christ and his father and you've got uh, Indiana Jones and his father so there's that there's that uh, duality there that uh, George and Stephen really play with and uh, I, I think that's one of the reasons it makes it work so well on a deeper level yes and, and that he's able to save his father because of what he finds right uh, yeah everything about that scene just is awesome it, but so, so kind of moving in uh, do you guys have a favorite? I know I have my answer to this. Do you guys have a favorite opening to any of these four movies? I want to go back to the original opening. I think it's, uh, you know, before you really got to know Indiana Jones, you're seeing this little search uh, in the jungle. You don't know who these guys are. And, and when he, you know, when he's introduced, just coming out of the shadow into that light, into that shot, and you see Harrison Ford for the first time, you see Indiana Jones. Um, I, I don't think, for me, I, I don't think anything tops that. It's it's great. And obviously the movies have some really great uh, openings. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, the uh, Anything Goes with Kate Capshaw, and then in, in the nightclub in Shanghai, that's fantastic. But uh, I don't think anything was, is gonna beat, for me anyways, the, uh, the opening of, of that original film. I'm same. I'm with you, Ro. To me, the opening of Raiders is just, it's unmatched. It's just, that's an incredible opening. The whole scene. Awesome. Brad, what about quick you? Quick little trivia. Quick 
quick little trivia about the Anything Goes uh, Dancing Girls. Do you guys know who was one of the dancing girls? Uh, she is now uh, very high up uh, in the echelon of Lucasfilm management. Ka- was it Kathleen Kennedy? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I have no idea. That's pretty funny. I've never noticed. Now I'm going to have to like Google this. Yeah. <laughs> well, she, she went on as a, as a producer for these too, though. So was she, was she a dual, you know, was she dual hat there as a producer slash dancer in a nightclub? That's kind of a. She felt like dancing that day. Like. They needed an extra yeah. and they're like, Kathleen, jump in there. <laughs> jump in there. Yeah. Um, married to uh, Frank Marshall. Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah. That that'll get you into Hollywood right there. <laughs> it's Marshall, all about who you know. It is. That's right. Especially in that business. Yes. Um, but you know, I hate the. Uh, I don't really hate, but I'm I'm gonna go back to the Last Crusade and Ro already mentioned it. But seeing River Phoenix as young Indiana Jones, and uh, there's. Actually, a lot of uh, backstory provided in, in those scenes as far as um, the snakes go, his, his hatred or phobia for snakes, <laughs> uh, the whip, and then, of course, uh, you know, the, the hat, you know. Yeah, they, they basically, um, they, they paid homage to just about everything they could in those, in those flashback scenes. Um, but just seeing him uh, being so excited about this stuff, you know, as a teenager or however old he was supposed to be, um, and of course, his you know tries to show it to his dad. His dad's completely dismissive. Um, but uh, you know that integrity that Roe talked about, but it belonged in a museum. Um, but and then of course it's River Phoenix. So unfortunately, we lost River yes. too too early. But uh, you know he did great in that little bit, and I think that's how we got the young Indiana Jones Chronicles was out of those. And I was just reading as far as some trivia. That was the very last scene that they. Uh, 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 that they uh, recorded. Okay. Uh, was those opening scenes? Yeah, Natalie. What is your favorite opening? Do you have one? I'm gonna agree with Brad. Um, I really liked. Um, well, first of all, River Phoenix was a cutie, and it is very sad we lost him so early. I think he was a big talent, or you know, on his way to probably do great things. Um, and I think he did an excellent job at portraying young Indiana Jones. And just to see, like he said, kind of you get so many pieces just in that opening scene of his backstory and kind of how he gets some of those things. And actually, the the man that they use that first has the cross, I actually thought, like, I was confused, like, watching it again. I'm like, is that Indiana Jones? They almost had a look-alike for him. Like, it looked like Harrison Ford later on when you first see him, and then for him to put the hat on his head as he leaves. Um, you know, and he's like, you know, I'll get it back from you or whatever, and then flash forward. I just thought that was a great opening. Allie, I don't, I don't know if anyone else was confused and thought that was Indy. <laughs> <laughs> this one always tricky. No, just for a second when he had his hat down because it was like uh, okay, literally when the he, outfit. I'm not saying when he put his face up. Oh, okay, right when it starts? Or, yeah, okay. like when he's just like looking down. Oh, gotcha. Because um, it was like literally the same jacket. attire. He's got the hat. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he looks, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, River Phoenix has that uh, strong uh, eyebrow ridge, uh, very similar to Harrison Ford. So <clears throat> Harrison Ford, but um, they they did a really good connection. What did you guys watch the uh, Young Indiana Jones Chronicles when it was I, on TV? I actually no, have not. I haven't. Yeah. 
they're really fascinating. Indiana Jones, the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, was a kind of a testing ground. Uh, at the time, George Lucas wanted to create Star Wars on TV, but obviously without the same budget as a film. But he wanted to keep the same type of special effects, the same type of uh, grandiose, you know, uh, filmmaking style that people are used to in the films. Um, but obviously, you know, he couldn't spend the money that he could that that he did on the the movies to to do Star Wars on TV. So back then, you know, they started um, doing the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and uh, the special effects in that were kind of a testing ground for Industrial Light Magic to be able to see if they could do movie-like special effects for the small screen. Oh, and, cool. Uh, we owe a lot of of debt to that show. Uh, now, obviously, that we do have Star Wars on TV uh, in the Mandalorian for uh, Disney Plus. So, kudos again. You know, uh, we can never understate the importance and the um, I guess the work that uh, ILM and George Lucas has done for uh, the film community to begin with. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, hooray! That's cool. Well, it looks like we've lost Brad for the say, meantime. Where, where did Brad I think go? he must have had internet connection issues, but we can move on. Um, I the kind of last question I had is, do you have? I feel like I know the answer to yours already, Ro. Do you have a favorite of the leading ladies? There's three different leading ladies. Yeah, I, I think the original, I think Karen Allen for me is tops. Uh, again, just, you know, watching her interact. Um, she's such a strong character. A lot of times she reminds me of, of Leia. Uh, but when we first meet her, when she's uh, drinking the, those big guys <laughs> under the table, uh, she's really, you know, lighting up that cigarette when uh, when what's his name comes in and starts looking for the asking for the artifact. Um, you know, just her her snark um, when uh, the Nazi guy I can't remember his name says, uh, you know, you were visited by Dr. Jones and he was asking for an artifact and she just lights up a cigarette and says, must have slipped his mind. <laughs> um, just these little snarky lines uh, in her character I really love. And then obviously um, seeing her in uh, Crystal Skull was uh, a, 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 an amazing treat for me because I love her in the first movie and she's back um, in the same character. You can, Like I said earlier, she... Um, she just revels in it. She enjoys it. So, uh, yes, Karen Allen as uh, Marion Ravenwood. And obviously because there's a connection, there's a Chicago connection, obviously, because um, Indiana Jones, I think, studied at the University of Chicago. Um, there's a street in Chicago called Ravenswood. Uh, my production office uh, used to be there. And uh, it's just, there's a lot of, like, little connections uh, personally for me that I that I um, enjoy watching Marion Ravenwood interact with Indiana Jones. Yeah, she's excellent. Uh, yes. Brad, we are discussing our favorite leading lady. Do you have a favorite leading lady out of these three women? Well, luckily, uh, Roe was pretty much thinking for me while I was uh, while I was away. I actually have a uh, World War II uh, computer that I'm using right now. And that's why I just uh, I left for a minute there. Um, but, you know, it's been holding up for about 80 so you years now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the bicycle. Anyway, uh, no, uh, it's obviously Marion. You know, it, the depth of her character uh, is amazing, and it's just so fun to see them working together. 
So luckily, I'm sure for for once, uh, I agree with everything that Rose said in, in, in my absence <laughs> uh, on this one. Well, I, I have a, a, a complex answer. And well, I have something that I love all, I think all three of these women were awesome picks in these movies. And I would say that Marion is like, she is the most well-rounded, truly developed character that you're very happy and could see why he would end up with her. Like, they seem like they belong together the most. And then I will have to say that Willie is the most hysterical. Like, she is what makes Temple of Doom so fun. Like, she's hysterical. Like, the scene in the jungle where she's going around screaming at everything. One, I understand. I would feel the same way. But she's just so funny throughout the movie. So she's the funniest of them. And then Elsa in the third one, Natalie and I were discussing. I mean, she's just like a timeless beauty. So you have so this beautiful this beautiful woman who's very complex because she's the most complex of them. Because she's not all bad. She's not. You even see her crying as they're burning the books in Berlin. And she genuinely likes Indiana and likes his dad. And his father. <laughs> and his dad. And, um, but yet at the end, that, that lust and that desire to get that literally cost her her life. And she's the moral of the story there. Yes. And she's willing to go with the Nazis because she's just so desperately wants it and she doesn't care how she gets it. So I think she's the most complex, but so I think they all bring something very unique, each female character, but I definitely get why you guys go with Miriam. She's, she's overall, I would say, like who you think he would end up with. You kind of summed it up for me, Michelle, but to simplify what you said, basically, Miriam, overall the best, the best counterpart to Indiana Jones. Uh, Kate Capshaw, funniest, hands down. Number three, hottest. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of definitely, I think, I think how it goes, uh, for sure. But um, so as we kind of wrap up, uh, why, I think we've already kind of hit this, but kind of closing, why do you all think these movies, to me, I, I definitely think they stand the test of time. And do you guys have anything you want to say as to why they stand the test of time? Uh, first of all, I think some people noticed in the chat that uh, your audio, it sounded like a killer droid, uh, and it was very, very warbled. Um, and echoey, so... You know, I heard that on our last chat. We need to look into that. Yeah. Yes. So, um... But, oh. uh... And before we leave, as far as timelessness, again, you know, Indiana Jones is one of those, you know, call-to-adventure stories that uh, is really timeless. And... Um... You know, just who doesn't love a good old-fashioned adventure? Who doesn't love a good old-fashioned, um, you know, trip around the world to find a hidden treasure? You know, X marks the spot, or does it? Um, so it's 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 something that that is embedded in Indiana in in the Indiana Jones uh, films. It's fun. It's adventure, and uh, you know, it, it it can be in any time. Yeah. Yeah, and I think something too, in my opinion, that makes that helps it be timeless is the fact that it was set in a time, you know, it going back sure. to a, a, a what is the third twenties and thirties. I mean, it, it going back then. 
I think helps it age because you're not judging it with like its 80s decor or things like that. So it, it helps it feel timeless. Definitely. Yeah, and it's uh, such a good mix of uh, history and fantasy. You know, we, we've talked about it, but, you know, all the, the themes, uh, you know, the, the costuming was, was amazing in, in these movies as well. You know, the... All the uniforms were on point, and uh, you know, no matter where they were, the costumes were just amazing. The set pieces were amazing. Um, you know, the music was amazing throughout. You know, it's got all the elements, and it's just so fun. Yeah. Um, so you know, I I think you know, I don't know if the the stuff that we cringed at when we were younger, I don't know how well those. Everybody's so desensitized these days. I'm not sure if they'd have the same effect. I, I don't know. Um, but it, it, everything else, though, I think it, it holds up just fine. Yeah, I agree. Well, do you have any closing thoughts as we finish out this episode? Anything you want to say about Indiana Jones, Brad? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know what else there is to say. You know, it's. Um, te- I think Temple of Doom was... Uh, one of the first movies I ever saw in theaters. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so uh, that was quite true. But um, The Last Crusade, I remember much more clearly seeing that in theaters uh, when I was when I was younger. Um, so, you know, those kind of stick with you. Those movies that you see in the theater as a kid, those, those really stick with you for a long time. Um, and, but like you said, going back and watching The Last Crusade right now, it holds up just like when I first saw it. What was that 1989 when that movie came out? Uh, yes, um, I think so. You know, yeah. Every time you see it, it's like, you know, you're watching it for the first time and, and you pick up on little, you know, little. it's like, it's very much like Star Wars where you pick up little details each time you watch it. And that's what makes these movies so fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, timeless movies, uh, but we, we will kind of close out. So that is it for this episode of Force of Light Entertainment. And again, a special thanks to Brad and Roe from the Scarf Scuttlebutt podcast. And we appreciate you all for joining the conversation and encourage you to subscribe and to our YouTube channel and subscribe to our podcast. Give and us a thumbs up if you want to. And special thanks to everybody that yes, came to yes. the live chat. You guys yeah. are awesome. Yeah, thank you to everyone in the live chat. I saw many of you. And Brad, why don't you tell them where they can find you and where they can find the Scarif podcast? Yeah, see, that's normally Rose job. But uh, <laughs> you know, find us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, find us on Twitter at Scarif Podcast. Um, Remember, Scarif only has one F. Uh, from yes. there, you can pretty much find us uh, everywhere else. But we are on YouTube. Uh, we are on iTunes. And pretty much everywhere else you uh, catch your favorite podcast, you can find the Scarif Scuttlebutt. And, of course, don't forget to check out the Red 5 Network at uh, red5network.com where you can get the uh, Scarif Scuttlebutt and uh, Force of Light Entertainment and uh, all the other good uh, podcasts from Red and Gold Squadron. Yes, Ro joined us just in time. Ro, where can they find you? On Twitter or Instagram? I am on Twitter and Instagram, Ro underscore Gazga on Instagram, and I think it's Ro Gazga on Twitter. Um, well, do we have time to play Sentry Mode? Sure, go for it. It's uh, Hold on a second. First, uh, I know we usually do this on our podcast, but let's uh, play it here. <laughs> 
So that is our little introduction to our uh, little Q&A game that we have. We prepared some questions for you ladies, and uh, this is uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones centric um, for obvious reasons. But uh, Brad, you want to you do the first question? I know I sent those over to you, but uh, Sentry Mode is basically a couple of questions that we uh, usually do on our podcast, but since uh, we had... Uh, since you guys had us, uh, <laughs> I think it would be fun to do a little Q&A for Raiders of the Lost Ark. And anybody in the chat, if you guys want to join as well, go ahead and uh, answer in the chat. But uh, Sentry Mode, uh, part of the Scare of Spellblood podcast uh, on Force of Light Entertainment. Uh, this will be fun. Brad, go for it. Yeah, uh, ju just for the record, I'm glad you guys are on the hook for these questions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like when it's uh, Star Wars Sentry Mode. I, I do not envy you right now, but we'll, we'll see how you do. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little nervous. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. Uh, which not ready for prime time players made a cameo in Temple of Doom? Oh, gosh. Can I get like a multiple choice here? <laughs> Do I get a lifeline? <laughs> your, your lifeline, your phone and friend. Yeah, it's, it's all in the chat. Yeah, it's your phone and friend. Your lifelines are all there. Yeah, lifelines in the chat. What yes. what and can Mike, you give Michael, us? No, Trevor Trevor didn't do these, Mike. Yeah, cuz I I I don't know. <laughs> so for, the, for those in the chat that uh, that may have not heard, which not ready for prime time players made a cameo in Temple of Doom. Michael, sorry, Mr. Rez, help us player. out. Yeah, I think we're all players stunned. <laughs> So, in other words, uh, somebody from Saturday Night Live uh, appeared in uh, Temple of Doom. Oh, I still, I still don't know. Gang. They were called uh, not ready for primetime players. Did Mr. Rest just get it right? Was Ackroyd in it? Correct. Damn wow, I, I've never noticed that. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, um, let's see. Okay, question number two. What special effects artist was seen holding a Life magazine on an airplane following Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, I feel like I'm about to go 0 for 2 or 0 for 3, <laughs> however many there are. <laughs> Do we have someone in the chat that has that answer? So what special effects artist, and he's from ILM, uh, is seen holding a Life magazine on an airplane that Indiana Jones goes into in Raiders of the Lost Ark. You can tell that he's like following him, following Indy. Mr. Rez says that's what, uh, hold on, that's, that's what, what old, old people, people answer. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we, we, we're stunned on this one too. It is, uh, Dennis Murin. Okay. ILM guy. Yeah, I was never yeah, going to know that one. Brad, that, la that next question, I think we talked about that, the dance. Yeah, you, you jumped the gun on that one. But uh, the, the next one is, I think, maybe the only one that I knew. Well, I think I know it. Uh, which Star Wars characters were depicted as ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs in Raiders of the Lost Ark? I do know that. C-3PO and R2-D2. Am I right on that? that okay, yes. I got yeah. that one. <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> I got this one. Uh, this, this, this one is, this one should be easy too, uh, but maybe it's not because, you know, they really don't focus on it, but uh, it, it's a quick shot. Which Jedi Master seemingly owned a nightclub in Shanghai in the Temple of Doom? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's still hard. Yoda. 
Is it? <laughs> is like, is their name on something or something? Like, yeah. So when at the end of the the chase sequence in Temple of Doom, when he when they jump out of the window and they fall, fall, fall to that waiting cab where Short Round is. Yes. There's a wide shot, and the name of the club that they fall out of is called Club Obi Wan. Is it really? Wow. I've never noticed that. Oh my gosh. Mr. Rez again. Well, yeah, Mr. Rez. I mean, Mr. Rez kills it <laughs> in the chat. He does. <laughs> you are the MVP. Right. Well, Rad, last question. Go for it. I think I might know this one too. If it's if it's the obvious, if it's the obvious answer, I think I might know this one. But uh, what was the wing serial number of the airplane that was waiting for oh, Indy? At the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. My lord, I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Rez, where? It's plain as day when they're when when he's running. Uh, you know, you got those the, the natives chasing him. Uh, you know, blowing the darts, and the the guy is like fishing, and he's like, oh, he's looking around, and then you can totally see the the serial number of the of the wing of the airplane. Any takers? I I, I wish I had a photographic guess. memory. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So unless Mr. Rez yeah, knows, gonna, come on, I'm, I'm Mr. Rez. On this one. It, it, it's got to be one one three eight, is it? Is it not? It's a, that's a good guess, but it's it's O B dash C P O. Uh. Oh. Well, I I definitely was not gonna remember. That. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. A lot of you know a lot of uh, little little tidbits there. You guys obviously know that Indiana was uh, the name of George Lucas's dog growing up. Um, there is a Empire Strikes Back actor in um, Last Crusade. Was, the, yeah, it was General the Veers. Guy. Yeah, General Veers uh, was played. Uh, also played uh, Donovan. Um, that uh, and oh, and and you can hear a little bit of the Imperial March when Indiana Jones walks into his office. Yeah. And they see the um, the that plaque, the the rock that was broken, and then he did like the little paper relief so you can hear a little bit of that um so uh what okay what, this this is like a bonus question for you guys what which indiana jones movie does indy say i have a bad feeling about this uh, he does say that in one because i noticed that but i can't remember which one it is my gosh i don't think it was the the third one the one we saw most recently brad i'm gonna say number one? two is it number two uh, given, given the timing of it yeah. Uh, I, I would go with Temple of Doom. Yeah. We're going with Anybody Temple of Doom. Anybody in the chat? Mr. Rez? Oh, is that, is that obviously wrong? Okay. Right. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with Raiders then? <laughs> no, it's... It better not be Crystal... Yeah, it might not be Crystal Skull. Come on, man. We're talking about the okay. trilogy here. I've only seen that twice, so that's why I don't know that. Right. It's been a long time for me. No excuses. No excuses. <laughs> One last tidbit. Uh, when Indiana Jones, uh, at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, when he's bombarded with all his students and they're trying to get his attention, yeah. he says, if it's truth you're interested in, Dr. Tyree's philosophy class is right down the hall. That is reference to Harrison Ford's actual philosophy 
uh, teacher um, in college, Dr. Will, William Tyree, uh, <laughs> college in Wisconsin. So a little tidbit there, a little... Uh, little shout out from uh, Harrison. shout out from his, uh, <laughs> college days. But uh, thank you very much, ladies, for playing. Even though we played... Thank you. Even <laughs> though we chose... Poorly. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Fortunately, the life's not being sucked out of us over yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, thank awesome. you, too. Thank you for yes. coming, both Brad and Ro, and every one of our listeners. If you've not checked out the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast, we really encourage you. They're everywhere podcasts are, and they are on YouTube. Also, check out the red5network.com for all the different podcasts associated with Red 5. And for us, you can find us. We'll have a new episode this coming Sunday. We actually have some special guests that will reveal who that is a little later. And we appreciate you all again for joining this episode. And you can find us at Force of Light Entertainment on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Michelle34Smith on each. Natalie. I'm Natalie R. Grace on Twitter and NatLovesBella07 on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you for tuning in. And we will talk some more movies next time. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.